with that, folks? Can you explain why the president interacted with so many of his son's foreign business associates? More than half of voters told CNN they believed the president was involved and he lied. You can't have a response to that, Kareem? What a job that that woman has. It is her job, cringe Jean-Pierre, to stand up there and answer the questions. Could anyone, whatever it is that you, person watching this, do right now, if the key core component of your job, if your boss asked you something about that and you just walked away, would you still have a job? And yet that is what the machine regurgitates out to us. Ladles and Jelly Spoons, I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It is September 14th, 2023. We're live streaming, as always, on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Post-game show at rubinreport.locals.com if you want to join us and support the show. Uh, we've got a community Q&A today, and we're going to cover a couple clips. Uh, these are breaking right now. The full interview is not out yet, uh, but my friend and colleague, uh, Megyn Kelly, she interviewed Donald Trump, uh, I think in the last day or two. They're posting the full interview on her channel sometime later today, but a couple clips are leaking out right now. We're gonna uh, cover a couple of those clips, contrast them with uh, some interviews that Ron DeSantis has been doing and a bunch more. But before I do any of that, this is very, very important today. Uh, on yesterday's program, I made a point of saying that Chief Public Health Officer of Canada, her name is Teresa Tam, I called her a man, okay? I said that she was a trans man. Now, the reason that I did this was not to be glib. We thought she was a trans man, and that was because of what Phoenix showed me here. We're gonna show it to you right there. Uh, this was a tweet by uh, Dr. Simon uh, Goddick, he wrote, this is Canadian Canada's health minister, Theresa Tam, originally from Hong Kong. She may have ties to the Chinese Communist Party under the name Tang Yangshi and suffers from gender dysphoria. So we saw that and that's why we thought that she was a he. We have subsequently been told that she is not a he. Now, it's a little unclear, quite honestly, but I but we don't have full evidence of it, and I'm not above apologizing. You guys know I like a good retraction, and my reputation is on the line, so I, I retract that at least half. It's a half a retraction. Michael, well, what do you mean? Is she half a man, half a woman? What's going on here? Well, then, uh, Connor saw this as we were doing a little research on this. This popped up, that this, this woman, uh, Teresa Tam was in this documentary about 10 years, no, it's about 13 years ago, 2010. It's called Outbreak, Anatomy of a Plague, 2010. We'd like to show you just a tiny bite of this documentary. If there are people who are non-compliant, there are definitely uh, laws and, and public health um, powers that can quarantine people in mandatory settings. It's potential you could track people, put bracelets on their uh, arms, have police and other setups to ensure quarantine is undertaken. It is better to be preemptive and precautionary and take the heat of people thinking you might be overreactionary, get ahead of the curve. Um, and then think about whether you've overreacted later. But it's such a serious situation that I think decisive early action is the key. So now, regardless of whether she's a chick with a dick, a dude with a vagina, you can put all the body parts together. The point is, regardless of any of those things, I want to retract the retraction because she is evil, evil, evil. And if you want to see one more bananas thing related to this woman, look at this headline. This was at the height of COVID. She wants you to wear a mask while having sex. There are clubs in Chelsea you can go to to do that, but she was talking about one of those fabric masks. Anywho, let's do a program, people. It'll be a little Megyn Kelly versus Donald Trump. It'll be DeSantis picking up some steam and doing some combative interviews on mainstream media, which we wanted him to do. And that the anti-woke revolution, the thing that I've been talking about for quite some time, the days of woke have to end and we have to get to the other side of it. It seemingly is starting to happen, but the machine just ain't gonna let it end. And then of course we will get to the Q and A 
as I mentioned. So let's start with some of the clips uh, of Donald Trump sitting down with Megyn Kelly because they're they're pretty messy for Donald Trump. I think I can objectively, I'm gonna try to do this as, uh, I'm gonna try, what's that? Oop, our computer freaked out. I'm gonna try to do this as objectively as possible, uh, but th these are not good for Donald Trump. So they they did a whole bunch on COVID and Fauci and the, and the reaction to COVID and all that and, and warp speed. Here is Trump admitting that his administration did give Fauci a presidential commendation, but kind of backtracking it at the same time. Take a look. For years, you've been saying that the reason you didn't fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time well, in May- I no, also said, I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I yeah. couldn't technically. The truth is though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many, millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way. You yeah. made him a star, you made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task You think so? Force, that he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the accommodation. Presidential accommodation. One went off Mark Somebody Milley, probably handed him accommodation. He probably, but let me just tell you about Fauci. Fauci was very important in the Biden administration, much less important. If you know, he didn't want to stop China. He wanted to let everyone come in from China. I stopped it. I overrode it. I overrode many of the things he did. He was much less important to me. Now, with that all being said, he's been there for years. He was respected. He lost a lot of the respect because of COVID, but he was respected. Okay, first off, I don't want to do the Monday morning quarterback thing, and I think you guys know I've tried to be fair in that everyone gets a sort of certain leash when it comes to COVID and what those first few weeks and even, let's say, a month was like. Uh, but the truth is that he did hand the reins over to Fauci, and we've played it many times. You've seen it, so we're not going to play it again. He was even running re-election 2020 re-election ads of him praising Fauci and Fauci praising him. Also, to kind of pretend that you don't know that you gave him the commendation or someone gave it to him on the way out, it's like, does the buck stop with you? Are, are you the president? Also, this thing, I didn't listen to him too much. Again, you were running ads saying how great he was and him saying how great you were and, and even in the ads, Fauci saying, oh, he didn't stop me and he would always listen to me, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the idea also that he didn't fire Fauci because he would have taken a lot of heat. Isn't this the guy? You're fired. Like, isn't that like, that? I just thought it was a gay Trump. You're fired. Ah. But like, he's the guy that's known for firing people. So the guy who was the most important piece of the disaster that became COVID, you were afraid to fire him over heat that you were going to take with the amount of heat that you do take. So none of it really kind of works. He's also, the hair's looking a little nuts, like he's kind of looking a little crazy. Uh, but it continued on COVID. Uh, Megan, who, as we talked about earlier in the week, she is having some sort of autoimmune issue that her doctor believes is related to the COVID vaccine. Uh, so they talked a bit about mRNA COVID shots and if there's any regret related to all that. But I have people on the other side, I don't, not my side, although probably there's some on my side too, they said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people- You're say, proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats- you, I get it. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that too. But yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates, and people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision. As far as I'm concerned, now some places had mandates, very strong mandates, uh, largely Democrat governors, and probably some Republicans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there are Democrats that say, "Why aren't you talking about that?" It's one of the they really believe strongly. One said, "You say," and this is very smart people. They said, "You saved a hundred million people worldwide." Uh, in 1917, you know, they, it could have been as much as 100 million. It ended the First World War because all the soldiers were dying of, of this horrible disease of 1917. You know, it actually ended the First World War. The soldiers were dying. They were on the lines. They're fighting and they're dying of this horrible disease. They said, you might have saved 100 million people, 50 million people. Why aren't you talking about it? I said, I'm not talking about it. I never got 
I think the credit that I deserve I, on COVID. As Brock just pointed out, it sounds like he's running to be a Democrat. The Democrats seem to really love him and the 100 million people he saved. We, we checked this morning, like there's no evidence that the COVID shot saved 100 million people. There just simply isn't there any evidence for that. And if you're watching this and you're one of those base people, I'm always warned by my friends on the right, Dave, don't go too hard after Trump because the base will turn on you. If you're one of those base people watching this right now, do you believe anything that he just said right there? And I don't know what this has to do with the 1917 thing. And this idea that the 100 million, again, the 100 million, I saved 100 million lives, and she says, are you proud of that? And he says, no, I'm not proud of it. So it's like, there, there's just so much confusion and conflation there. And all he has to do to get out of this, and he still could do it, Trump, I'm giving you a tip right now. All you have to do to get out of this is admit you were wrong about a bunch of things. Admit you got, admit you got bamboozled by Fauci and the NIH and the CDC and everything else, but he seems unable to do it. Now I get, I get it, and I saw it on Twitter this morning when I tweeted out some of these clips. Some people said, well, I don't care anyway. I don't, there's nothing you could say, Dave. No, fine. you can't say anything. We're still voting for him. Okay, okay, so be it. I'm still gonna tell you what I think. Uh, I would like to compare what he just said right there uh, with uh, a video that the DeSantis team put out, uh, some of the things that Trump was saying during COVID. We did the right thing. We closed the country down. Could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing. I had to shut it down. We did the right thing. I thought of keeping it open. And we did just the right thing. We closed it down. And a group of very smart people walk in and say, sir, we have to close it. And we did the right thing. They can't do anything without the approval of the president of the United States. Even the Democrats aren't blaming me for that. We had to close it up. Some people wish we never closed it down. We did the right thing. We closed it. It's a decision for the president of the United States. So we did the right thing. We had to close it up because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, let alone the United States of America. We had to turn off the airlines. We had to turn off everything. And we did the right thing. A lot of people have thought about it. Write it out. Don't do anything. Just write it out and think of it as the flu. But it's not the flu. It's vicious. We basically shut down our country. But all, we did the right thing. We had to close it down. The president of the United States calls the shots. And we had to close it down. We did the right thing. They're not working in offices. They're not in airplanes together. And we did close up. We had to close it up. And we did the right thing. We closed it down. We did the right thing. We closed it up. We were told to got to shut it down. Stop it. Tell everyone to stay home because of this horrible virus. And we did that. We had to artificially close our country. We've done this right. And we, we really, we really have done this right. That we did the right thing. Everything we did was right. All right, look, I, I promise you over the course of, you know, we've still got over a year till the national election and the first votes in the, in the primary are not gonna be cast till January. I promise we're not gonna drub you over the head with these videos all the time. But in moments like these where Trump does a, a somewhat combative sit down, and again, Megan did an absolutely great job. I'd like to think I know a little something about interviewing people. And sometimes, you know, when you're interviewing a politician, someone that you know personally and publicly, you're trying to be respectful, even when you hear them saying things that are untrue, they're also saying a lot of things at once. You wanna pick the moments when you can push back. I think she just did an absolutely great job. And again, these are only two tiny bits of the interview. The full thing will be out later. And if we find more interesting pieces later, we'll, we'll cover them tomorrow. Uh, but the point is, Trump is showing no contrition whatsoever. He's, when, when he talks about warp speed, he's still very proud of warp speed. He then says, I saved, the Democrats say I saved 100 million people. But your own base and the, and the Republicans, by and large, in the country think it was wrong. So it's just, I get it. I get it. To some people, he can do no wrong. But like, maybe there's a better choice. Maybe there is a better choice. Oh, there's a guy down here in Florida. And you know what that guy did? He banned mandates. Uh, on COVID vaccines. He banned mask mandates. He banned lockdown mandates. He even banned gain-of-function research here in the state. I think you know who that guy is. Governor Ron DeSantis Tuesday said he's seeking to protect Florida from what he calls the, quote, biomedical security state, denouncing groups like the CDC and Biden administration for their pandemic protection efforts. They had a lot of momentum. They brought a lot of power to these fights. And they would have won, except for the fact Florida said no. 
The Republican now offering a plan to make permanent a slew of COVID mitigation bans enacted during a 2021 special session and set to expire in June. If approved by lawmakers, DeSantis' effort permanently restricts COVID shot and mask rules in schools. It prevents public and private employers from hiring and firing based on mRNA shot status. Plus, it prohibits vaccine passports and will aim to shield Florida physicians from censure for speech of unpopular medical opinions. We need to lead with this by making all of these protections permanent in Florida statute, which we are going to do in the upcoming legislative session. You know how I often say on the show, it doesn't have to be this way. Like this, this endless fight that we're in, the slow descent to hell, the questioning of things that we know don't need to be questioned anymore, right? It doesn't have to be this way. And guess what? In Florida, it isn't that way anymore. As we've seen in the last couple of weeks, as the fall has rolled in and Whoopi has COVID and <laughs> Whoopi has COVID and they start and Dr. Jill Biden has COVID and she's a doctor for God's sakes. As they roll out COVID again, and they tell you there's another variant and everything else, every single state in the union, except for Florida, can still be locked down, can still kick you out of uh, school, can still shut you out of your business, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't have to be this way when you have proper leadership that then does the right thing. And you have to think, you have to think, okay, now we're, it's three years from now and Donald Trump is president and they bring in super COVID or whatever it is, or the climate emergency that's happening, it's to the gamma rays outside, whatever it is, would he get bamboozled by the machine all over again? I think he would because he's showing no contrition about what he did last time, except it won't happen here in Florida. So unless you're watching this in Florida, just know that wherever you live, in the United States, maybe if you're in Sweden, they're not gonna lock you down because they didn't do it last time. Uh, he used to criticize Sweden for that, right? Um, Trump, that is. Um, you have to know that they can do it to you all over again. So just a couple more clips contrasting the sort of confusion and lack of contrition of Trump with the, with the functional competency of DeSantis. DeSantis went on Hannity last night in New York and I thought Hannity asked him, asked him an excellent question because people want that sort of more personal side of DeSantis, and I thought this was quite good. And what do you want people to know about you that maybe they don't know? Well, I was, the reason I'm in New York is because I got invited to be at the 9-11 ceremony, remembrance ceremony with some of the 9-11 families. So my wife and I got to go and we're looking at the names and they're telling stories. Joe, Joe Biden was in Hanoi. Yeah, and then he went to Alaska or something like that. And 9 you know, I was you know, far away from it. I didn't have anyone I knew, but it was a huge impact on me. I ended up joining the military as a result of that. And I was put myself in a position I could have made a lot of money, but I decided, you know, our country's in conflict. Uh, we don't have a draft, but I'm going to step up and do whatever part I can. And so that kind of put me on the road to, to service. And so throughout my career, I've always put service above self. I mean, I think I am the leader. Uh, I am the vehicle. But ultimately, it's not about me. Uh, it's about delivering for the people that I represent. And in this case, uh, turning this country around, because this country, and you and I have talked about it, it's in decline. Uh, we're uh, in it's, jeopardy. It's scary. We're in jeopardy of being the first generation of Americans who are going to turn over to our kids and grandkids an America less prosperous and less free than what we inherited. And, and that would be a tragedy if we allowed that to happen. So we got to reverse the decline. Uh, we need to get America on a different path. And, and that's, that's my mission. That's why I'm running. There's a couple great lines in there. You know, just real quick to point out, when he says he could have made a lot of money and then he went into service after 9-11, uh, he was an undergrad at Yale. He went to Harvard Law. Like, he was set up to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year at a primo law firm right out of school. And instead he went and he, and he enlisted and there we are with his life right now. By the way, Don, uh, Ron DeSantis is worth a couple hundred grand, I think around 300 grand. Now that might seem like a decent amount of money to you uh, and it is to an awful lot of people. But in the scheme of what politicians make, if you look at Elizabeth Warren and you look at Donald Trump and you look at Gavin Newsom and you look at Mitch McConnell and you look at Nancy Pelosi, I mean, literally, basically all of the people you know, they all are worth 10, 20, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the line, I have put service above self, it's like when he says that, I actually believe it. I believe it. So I thought that was an interesting clip. And I just want to show you one more on this. Because, okay, fine, Hannity, that's friendly territory. You come talk to me like he did last week, okay, that's friendly territory. One of the things we've been saying is he needs to go into 
non-friendly territory and see what happens. Uh, he went on Nora O'Donnell, this is, uh, is this CBS, right? On CBS, uh, and uh, they talked about the immigration crisis. Take a look. We're in New York. We've heard the mayor here say that this city is about to go bankrupt because of the migrants that are in this city. You supported sending migrants to states and cities in the Northeast. Why do you support that? Well, we need to stop the problem. I mean, so I'll shut down the border. I will, I will end these bad policies. Yes, we'll build a wall. We'll lean against the drug cartels. I mean, part of it is the drugs pouring in are killing tens of thousands of Americans. You also have criminal aliens coming. There's sex trafficking, human trafficking. There's a lot of stuff. But just the sheer number of people, New York City is an example. You can't, as a society, just have people pouring in. You, it taxes social services, education, healthcare, all these different things. It's not the way to run a country. And what's happened though is because some of the sanctuary jurisdictions who were very high on virtue signaling when this wasn't affecting them have now had to acknowledge that this is untenable for a country to operate this way. Didn't have to contort himself, right? Is there anything that he said? Did you just hear anything that you did not think uh, that he could accomplish? that he said that he can't accomplish. I'm gonna defend the border, we're gonna send the military down there. Like, he's laying it out, and you just have to, again, look at the track record. What did he do in Florida? Is there anything he said he was gonna do that he didn't do? You know, quick point on the fentanyl thing, when we were doing our run-through earlier this morning, uh, Phoenix, who's 22 years old, said to me that, you know, what do you say, five or six people that are either struggling with or, or have died, or five or six people that he knows at 22 years old coming from Cali, that are dead because of fentanyl. I'm 47, I, I don't know anyone that was dead from fentanyl. I, I think, may, I know one or two people that died of drug overdoses that I was friendly with in, in high school. Um, but there is a massive, massive crisis happening. And we are just gonna continue letting it happen unless we elect a leader, a president in this case, who's actually in charge of the border. It's one of the few things the president's supposed to do and will, who will do what he says he is gonna do. I think we have one more of, uh, do we have one more of DeSantis there? Oh yeah, we do have one more of DeSantis uh, talking about the, the school situation, which will kind of get us to the rest of everything we're doing here. And I think most people of all different persuasions agree with, with the stand we took, but I think it's also important to say, I've got people moving into Florida in record numbers. We are the number one fastest growing state, and we are the state with the most net domestic in migration. And that's people from all walks of life that are coming, and they're coming because the state is successful and they have an opportunity to get ahead. Most gay people say they knew they were gay since they were a kid, but they've known most of their life they were gay. But here's the, here's the question. Is, what does that have to do with math class or English class or history class? So well, should not, they feel accepted in schools? Everyone should, should, there be, to, everyone should, there be, should be tolerance Everyone should be accepted. God, it's just so stupid watching corporate press people even try to pretend that they're objective. But his answer, of course, is perfect. First off, move aside the gay thing for just a second. The answer of why people are moving to Florida. People are moving to Florida because people care about freedom, all of the reasons that you guys know that we cover here all the time. And then she, well, gay people knew they were gay when they were young. Should they be respected? He's like, well, again, what does that have to do with math? What does that have to do with science? Gay people were in school for decades in America learning math and science. They weren't talking to their teachers secretly about whether they were boys or girls. Everyone knows that. And of course, then he very calmly and cleanly lays out, everyone should be treated with respect, okay? Every time I have seen Governor DeSantis and First Lady Casey DeSantis on the trail, I show them pictures of the kids. They light up, like they ask how they're doing. Like it's just such absolute nonsense. And the truth is everyone knows what we've done here in Florida is right, which is why we have those million people who have moved here. But I do see still, and, and I've discussed this with you guys many times, one of my struggles on this show is how often do we have to pay attention to the people that lie about everything? And the thing is, I think we still do because there's an awful lot of people still that think we have these evil book bans in Florida and Gavin Newsom right now is trying to pin himself as the freedom governor, which is just absolutely insane. So now I wanna show you a clip. We wanted to show this a couple days ago, but we were waiting for just the perfect moment. They had a hearing in the Senate about the book banning, and what mostly about Florida, right? What Florida has done with book bans. So one of our true national treasures, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, he then decided to read 
out of one of the books that has been banned here in Florida. And you tell me if you think that these are words that a child should hear in third or fourth grade from a state employee. Take a look. Let's take two books that have been much discussed. Um, the first one is called all boys aren't blue, and I will quote from it. I put some lube on and got him on his knees, and I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. Close quote. All boys aren't blue. Mr. Secretary, what are you asking us to do? Are you suggesting that only librarians should decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available to kids? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. Tell me what you're saying. Well, first of all, there's this. Don't give me a speech. Tell me what you're asking will, me to do. With all due respect, Senator, the words you spoke are disturbing, especially coming out of your mouth is very disturbing. But I would, I would also tell you that we're not advocating for kids to read porn, to Senator Booker's what point. What are you advocating for? We are advocating for parents, random parents, not to have the ability under the guise of keeping kids safe to try and challenge the world view of every single manner on these issues. All right, first off, we should have just shown you that John Kennedy clip completely out of context at the beginning of the show, and then I just should have walked off the set, but that's that's one thing. I'm not even sure who that person is that he's talking to. Random parents. They're not random parents. They are parents who have kids at these schools who are often on school boards who are upset about that. So again, everyone knows Everyone knows that what Ron DeSantis has done here in Florida is right, and it is the model and the blueprint for what should be happening across the country. It has nothing, and that's why what Nora O'Donnell was doing there at the end was so disingenuous, but DeSantis' answer was right. Of course, everyone deserves dignity and respect, but what she was doing was so disingenuous. None of this, even though what he was describing at, in that fairly graphic book was, was about gay sex, it's not about gay. You wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if that was a boy and a girl and the lube, and the butt, and all of the stuff. You can clip that and send it across the internet. It wouldn't, none of it would matter. Why would you want kids reading that at school? Okay, but if you think that the, the drive of the Democrats and the left and the establishment and the machine, the drive on all of this is com isn't completely out of control, I got one more for you today to show you how absolutely insane it is. Jen Psaki, who we have not talked about in a while, who was cringe Jean-Pierre's predecessor as White House press secretary. She then, of course, you work for the White House as a paid liar, and then she gets paid even more money to lie at the televised mental institution known as MSNBC under the guise of being a journalist. The farce is just so absolutely incredible, you have to admire it. Uh, she put out this clip yesterday talking about abortion and how Republicans are changing language about abortion. And listen to the way she describes the pro-life stance. This is, this is genuinely disgusting. I was actually like, this is like, yeah, off the charts, go. Because they are seeking a rebrand. Pro-life now becomes, in the words of Indiana Senator Todd Young, pro-baby, pro-baby. Okay. I hate to break it to you, but if you call broccoli candy, it's still just broccoli. If you tie a really nice bow around a lump of coal, it is still cool under there. I mean, she's vile. Like, I don't even know how to describe that. This has nothing to do with what your feelings on abortion are. Pro-life is pro-baby. The, the pro-life movement probably should have called it pro-baby from the beginning. I mean, this is a lesson that they should have learned from the leftists a long time ago who control language at a, at a much better capacity than people on the right do. But pro-life, you are pro the baby being born.
We can have all the arguments about six weeks, 15 weeks, the, the difference between the power of the state and individual choice and the health of the mother and rape and incest. We can do all of that. But pro-life obviously is pro-baby. And, and then that she goes out of her way. You have to understand these people are handed scripts. I am not handed a script. We have, we have clips that we play on the show and I tell you what, we, what, what I think, right? We discuss it a little bit beforehand. That's it, okay? But she is handed a script. And they purposely wrote in there to compare a baby to a lump of coal. Like they are just absolutely terrible. So guys, the point of all of this today, whether I'm criticizing Trump or Saki or whatever, or the media or anything else, the stakes are high. This is what we are up against and we have to choose our leader wisely. The leader, the president in this case, is not going to be the white knight that will save us all. But it might be someone who could lead us in the right direction. And if we don't find someone who can lead us in the right direction, we could end up like far more authoritarian states like China, for example. And do you know what's going on in China? In China, for example, God, this is gonna happen here, I think, too. Although maybe people will fight it. If a traffic camera catches you jaywalking in China, digital ID system has you, it has your blood now, it has your genetic code has your photograph, it can identify how you walk. So even if you can't see a face, you can be picked up by gate. It will convict you of jaywalking and take money out of your bank account with no intermediating judiciary at all and show a picture of you to the people in the neighborhood so they know that you have jaywalked and reduce your social credit score. And if your social credit score falls below a certain level, then you can't, you can't buy drinks from a vending machine. You can't play video games. You can't go on a train. You can't get out of your 15-minute city. All that's already in place in China. Is that a stark enough warning? Like that is literally happening in China right now. China is a highly authoritarian state and we clearly are heading in that direction. And unless you, me, and everybody else decides we are going to put people in office who are gonna fight for our freedoms and the ideas that America was founded upon, we will end up there too. So it is up to you, my friends, it really is. So once again, choose wisely. And on that note, let's move to a Rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. We'll try to get one or two in on the fly if you wanna throw in a question uh, right now. Here we go, Beach Bum says, if the Dems replace Biden for the upcoming election, at what point do you think they will do it? We're getting close and won't they have to also launch a whole story to explain why Kamala won't then be the candidate in his place? Yeah, look, this is why you have to admire the evil of the machine because they always figure out a way. They always figure out a way to do the tricks right in front of us and we all just fall for it again and then we often say, thank you, sir, may I have another? My guess, I mean, I said it the day that Biden was installed as president. I said I did not think he was gonna have a second term. I thought he would either physically break down or mentally break down or the scandals or something. I still stand by that. I, I do not think he will be sworn in as the next president of the United States. Now with the impeachment inquiry, as I said yesterday, it's not that he is going to be impeached. They will never get the Senate to do it. But you might just shine enough light on it that enough people now start waking up, not just the people online who have paid attention to the laptop and all of that stuff. But now more and more people will pay attention because mainstream, it will be harder for them to ignore it because there's an impeachment going on. Even though yesterday, the White House literally sent out a memo to mainstream media outlets to tell them basically to ignore the story. Yes, that's true, Google it. Um, I think enough people could wake up to it that they'll sort of be like, all right, People know he's breaking down cognitively. Now there's a scandal or what do we do? But as you point out, Beach Bum, the point, the, the issue that they have is nobody likes Kamala. Nobody likes Kamala. My guess is they are going to try to figure out a way to make this Gavin Newsom. And, and the fact that I even say that is so, I think he is probably the most putrid, disgusting, soulless person in the United States. I don't know how to describe him in any other fashion. He would do anything for power and he is the very definition of, of a sort of sociopath on that quest for power. So I think they have a, look, we're a year plus off the election, right? It's November of next year. So we're, we're you know, roughly 13 plus months away. They have to figure out some way to, Biden will basically say, they'll say, okay, you know, it's good. what it's gonna be is Obama. Obama is gonna say Joe's lost a step. We all see it. That'll open the floodgates. They'll push Biden out somehow. That's my guess. 
And then they will have to figure out a trick where maybe it's that Kamala becomes president temporarily because the Democrats don't want to be seen as the ones that push the black woman out. She becomes president temporarily and then she gets pressure enough from the DNC where she's just like, uh, you know, I've decided this isn't best for me and my family. We brought in Gavin as VP. So, you know, like, something. I don't know. I don't know exactly. I'd love to know what more of you think. Like, let's lay out all the options over the next year and see who was right in the end. Uh, ben says, hey, Dave, last night I took my dad to the best burger spot in my hometown, the Thurman Cafe in Columbus, Ohio. What is the best burger you've ever had and what city and restaurant was it from? Ooh, that is a great, great question. What is the best burger I've ever had? I mean, I'm making a pretty freaking great burger these days, uh, but I will not say it is my burger. I'll, I'll give you one that's a little bit, it might, this might sound a little generic, uh, but you can probably find one, hopefully somewhere close to where you live. And I'm not saying In-N-Out. In-N-Out is pretty damn good, but I will not, certainly not say that's the best burger. Uh, if you've got a Hillstone in your area, anywhere near you, Hillstone is also known as Houston's in some, some parts of the country. Uh, they're chain, how, can you find out how many locations of Hillstone slash Houston's are there in America? Give me a number. They make a really freaking great, they ground the beef right there. Pickles, like all the stuff on the side, their fries are great. They just make a great burger, juicy, delicious. We'll get a number on how many uh, Hillstone slash Houston. 44, there are 44 locations in America. I'm trying to think like, you know where I had a great burger? This wasn't too long ago. If you go, uh, can you find out one more thing for you? I'm a lot on the fly here. When I did the event with DeSantis in Reno about a month ago or whatever it was, no, now it's like three months ago, uh, we went to, I think it's the oldest bar in Nevada. There was a burger truck outside. I had a barbecue burger that was so freaking amazing. There's no way we're gonna find the name of that that truck, but Genoa Bar and Saloon was the name of the bar and the truck was sitting outside. If you're ever outside of Reno, oh man, it was awesome. And what a great scene that place was. Like just people dancing in the middle of the day, everybody freaking drunk and buying shots for each other. We, we had a blast. Uh, Mitchell says, how is your America can be saved barometer reading these days? Well, that's a great question as a follow-up to the show we did today. I think we have a chance. It does not have to be like this. Look, I live in a place here in Florida that, that is, is protected in the best possible way. Look, could the federal government tank the freaking economy? Could they come after Florida in every which way? Yes. Do I feel safer here? Like, so on the micro level of like how Americans can live, yes, you might live in a place in Montana that is more protected. You might live in a certain place in Texas that is more protected, like South Dakota, et cetera, et cetera. Like you might have Idaho, okay, fine. The grand project is struggling and we all know it's struggling and it does not have to struggle. Imagine if DeSantis was president. Now I get it, the left would be apoplectic, the media would lie about him, like the game would continue. We could bring in functional people. Imagine the amount of, of good, decent uh, citizens that he could bring in that were, that were effective in whatever their, their area of expertise was and we could really fix the system. I think he could protect the border. I think he could do some of the draining of the swamp. I don't think Trump can do it anymore. And I certainly don't think Biden or the Democrats can do it or wanna do it, right? But there is a way out. So I would say on a micro level, it, like for my life here, I'm, I'm very bullish on, on what life can be. And for the country, I think there's a chance and we just have to decide if we wanna take that shot or not. Casey says, any updates on your garden? Casey, I'm glad you asked that question because just yesterday, uh, I started doing a little Googling because we, we've had a nice little garden out here, mostly tomato plants, which are very, very hard to grow in Florida, especially in the summer. The heat and the humidity, tomato plants need kind of a breeze to get through and they need a little bit of a cooler temperature. So we were growing some great tomatoes sort of end of spring. It's been, it's been tough the last couple of months. So I want to refresh the entire freaking thing. Stay tuned and I will uh, post some pictures. Uh, we're going to get some lettuces out there and some peppers and and... A bunch more. Ben says, did you see Bill Maher has decided to break with SAG and bring back his show? Yeah, I wanted to cover this today. It didn't quite fit in the show, so we'll try to get to it maybe tomorrow or next week. So as you guys know, uh, there is a writer strike happening in Hollywood. Nobody really cares, right? The late night shows are not on. Production on virtually every show has completely shut down. And Bill Maher announced yesterday, I think he did it on Twitter. He put out a statement. I read the whole thing basically saying, look, I sympathize with the writers. I am a writer on my own show. Uh, I'm not happy about doing this, but it is time to get back to work. 
he, he said, uh, you know, I have many people on my show who are, I think they call it below the line, uh, which are, you know, the, the key grips, the sound guys, all of the people behind the scenes that are not writers. These people are now out of work because of the writer's strike. He said that he helped some of them financially, but it's time to get back to work. So they're gonna go back to work. He's not gonna do a monologue because you need the writers for that. Uh, I think they're gonna just do more of a, of a panel show and I guess he'll do, he'll do interviews. Um, but I think it's time to get back to work, right? Like he, he loves doing that. That's what he wants to do and it's right. And, and the thing is, I think the writers have made a massive mistake here. Um, people are distracted in other ways, whether it's freaking video games, or it's actually going outside old school, throwing a ball around, or whatever people care about. I don't think people have really missed Hollywood. I don't think people have missed the shows. I think there's a long bank of shows that you can watch on Hulu or Netflix or whatever else. I don't see anyone anyway. I mean, no one's even talking about it. So I think the writers could be in a lot of trouble here. Margaret says, do you think George Soros could have a specific strategy to mess with the Republican presidential primary by funding Vivek? Is he funding Vivek? I don't know about George Soros funding Vivek. I do know that, that he was a Soros fellow, which I, I guess at one point he denied taking money from the Soros fellowship. Then he said he did take the money because he needed it. I think some of Vivek's flip-flops on this sort of thing have hurt himself, but I have no evidence that he's taking money from Soros right now. But again, the only candidate on either side who has done anything anti-Soros, truly. I mean, Donald Trump has even taken money from Soros in the past. The only one is Ron DeSantis who fired two Soros-backed DAs here in Florida. Uh, Veronica says, as you celebrate one year with dads, what's uh, surprised you the most uh, that you enjoy? What has been something that's a challenge that you didn't feel prepared for? Uh, well, Luke is about to be one, Justin is one now. Um, you know, I just, well, first of all, I really love it. Like I love it in a way that I did not know I was gonna love it. At first I was like a little, I think the first like month or two when they're just so precious and tiny, like I was a little like, wow, what are we doing? What, what are these little humans in our house? Like what's happening here? And then over, especially the last couple of months, like they're laughing more and funny and like funny and like bizarre and you can watch their brains like come to life. And like one of the fun things that we do is, so the way we do dinner with them is we put them in their high chairs. And David was big on this. It's kind of messy, but we have a dog to clean up most of the aftermath, Clyde. Uh, we just put the food in front of them. So we break up, you know, like little bits of meat or chicken or fruit and vegetables or potatoes. And we just put it all in front of them and let them figure it out or some yogurt and stuff. And by the end, they are just freaking covered like you would not, like they look like they're in costumes, like it's just dripping every, but they love it and they're feeding each other and throwing it and Clyde's going crazy. And then we go, you know, then it's bath time right after that and just wipe it all off and do it again. Like just those little things and the fact that, you know, I'm pretty busy during the day, but like after the show today, I think I have about an hour break before my next thing. I go in there, I play with them for a while. Sometimes I have to sh change my outfit for my next thing because I get you know spit up on or whatever it might be. Uh, but it's uh, it, it also just like it orders your life in a way that can't be explained properly, or at least that I can't quite explain properly. Uh, Michelle says, "Hey Dave, any comment on Rick Grinnell calling DeSantis a homophobe on Megyn Kelly's show last week?" Not that you're obligated to do so, just curious. Uh, well, first off, I like Rick a lot. Rick is a friend. I did not hear that or see that. Ron DeSantis is not a homophobe. And also the phrase, he, a phobe, a phobia is an irrational fear. I don't think that Ron DeSantis has an irrational fear of gay people. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of gay people that are living and flourishing here in Florida. Go to South Beach, see what's going on. Okay, I don't go to South Beach. I don't know what they're doing, but I know they're there. Um, it's just it's just not true. So I would have to watch that clip in context to, to fully see it. But you know, look, Rick is a Trump guy. I, I respect that. Um, is what it is. So he's he's fighting the fight, just like I'm fighting the fight. So uh, Danielle says, if you could interview any living person and give them truth serum right before sitting down, who would you choose? Well, look, the easy answer on this one is Trump, because if you even watch the stuff that we played earlier with Megan, it's like it's hard to tell what Trump believes at this point. Like, does he really believe the vaccine was good? Does he believe that DeSantis was bad? Like, I would love to know if you just like, really could just get like, unadulterated truth out of the guy, what would he tell you? I don't know. I think if you gave uh, DeSantis truth serum, you'd get pretty much the same thing. 
And that's why it's kind of refreshing. That's why when I discuss this stuff, I don't have to twist myself every which way to defend DeSantis. If, if tomorrow 10 clips come out where he just absolutely lied about a whole bunch of stuff, I would have a problem, right? I would have to address it and whatever. But so Trump, just because of the level of lying now, it's out of control, but that's like an easy version of it. Who else would I want to know really the truth from? I guess like, like Bill and Hillary, maybe about the Epstein stuff, like some, I don't even want to know what the truth is there kind of, but like maybe, oh, oh, but then I end up dead. I retract this. We're live streaming today. That's a damn shame. It was nice knowing all of you. Benjamin says, uh, what advice would you give Governor DeSantis right now to put the fork in former President Trump? Can we move past MAGA? Well, look, there's a long way to go because you still have to get the base, which is why I'm trying to do the show in the most respectful way for those of you that are that base thing, right? Because it's not about, it's not about destroying MAGA. The idea of make America great again, get rid of the, the crazy leftists, fight for freedom and capitalism and all of those things, make sure that the, the swamp doesn't overtake us all again like they did during COVID. Those are all sort of good MAGA-related things. I think, clearly, DeSantis is a better uh, communicator. He's a better vessel to get us to the other side of this thing than Trump is. So I just think, as I keep telling everybody, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a group text with my, my Florida friends. I got about 10 Florida friends, some of whom come on this show. Uh, and we're always talking about, you know, what's going on and what's going on in the state and what's going on in the country. And I always say, over and over again, when people start getting worried and looking at the polls and, oh my God, Trump's at 50%. Patience, guy. Patience, tortoise and the hare. Where everyone just take a break, take a breath. We got a long time to go. And, and if we deserve it, and if we fight for what's right, then we will get a good outcome here. Maybe we don't deserve it. Maybe not enough of us will fight. I think there's a chance. Uh, Jeff says, what are you most looking forward to before the year ends? Wow, uh, what am I most looking forward to before the year? You know, one thing that I'm really, really looking forward to actually is Jordan Peterson is doing his ARC conference in London at the end of uh, October. It's, uh, what does ARC stand for? Responsible citizenship. What is the A? Uh, not Americans for responsible citizenship. Um, we'll, we'll get what the acronym means in a second. Uh, but it's basically a conference, like a five-day conference in London to completely counter the World Economic Forum. So the World Economic Forum, of course, you guys know Klaus Schwab and all these guys. It's this top-down globalist version of what the future should be. Jordan is putting this uh, together, the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship, thank you. Um, he's putting this together to give a bottom-up counter to that. How can we fix the world's problems without destroying economies, without, without you know, saying everything has to be green so we shut off fossil fuels and thus kill people who are gonna die from coal, uh, from being cold, right? Like there's so many ways to do these things. So he's getting media people, he's getting philosophers, he's getting lawyers and politicians and it's this five day conference in London. So I'll be in London, uh, I think from October 28th to around the uh, November 2nd or 3rd. I haven't been in London for probably about four years. So I'm looking forward uh, to going back there and just like all my cast of characters are gonna be there and hopefully, Hopefully Jordan and, and all of us together can present an alternative to this globalist movement that seems to be taking over the West right now. So that would be the big one, I would suppose, for the rest of the year. Uh, Meemaw says, do you think or don't you think the House Republicans are, doing, are just doing the dirty work for the Dems by impeaching Biden? They want him gone more than we do. Running against him would be child's play compared to a Michelle Gavin ticket. Yeah, I've sort of alluded to this over the last couple of days. You gotta be careful what you ask for here. Because Biden, it's a known quantity, right? We know he's compromised. We know he's not great. We know he's not gonna campaign. We know there's no energy there. He somehow won last time, but like we know what it is. If the whole thing flips and then suddenly it's Gavin and Kamala or Kamala and Gavin or Gay Pete or, like then the, the whole game has been changed. And when the whole game's been changed, you just don't know what comes out on the other side of that. So I think, as I said, it's like there's some I see why McCarthy did it. Shine a light on the freaking thing so people pay attention to it, but you gotta be careful what you ask for and I will see which way it plays. Shelly says, have you taken your boys to put their feet in the grass? Most kids are quite amused the first time they feel it. Yes, we have done that. Uh, we take them out to the yard. We've tried to get their hands dirty. I was mentioning the tomato plants before. So try to just get them dirty, see, make sure they're not allergic to anything. Try to make sure they don't eat too much dirt. Uh, we've taken them to the, one of my favorite things to do actually, is we've taken them to the petting zoo 
a couple times and they get to see the cows and the donkeys and the chickens and the rabbits and the pigs and all that stuff. And that's, that's totally fun. Obviously we don't put them in the pen with them, but yeah, try to get their feet there. It's important because you know, then they get good bacteria. Also, you don't want to keep a kid just kind of quarantined, let's say, locked in a room where they're never going to get sick and never going to get any germs. So we've, we've tried to do a little of that. Mary says, when did the retailers like Starbucks, takeout chains, et cetera, begin with tips, robbery, asking for a tip and suggesting 10, 20%, et cetera, when you pay, merely getting a cup of coffee or your Chinese takeout. Yeah, this is a new thing where it's everywhere. Even when I go to the, the farmer's market that we go to here on Sunday, it's like, I get a cup of coffee, as you're pointing out, and they're like, how much do you want to tip? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, you want to double this thing? just because I handed you the cup of coffee. It's like, that's what your job is. A tip is really resigned. Dennis Brager has talked about this a, bu a bunch. A tip is designed for a job well done. Uh, I, I am a generous tipper. I, I love, when I go to a restaurant, I, I really mean this, I love it. If you get a great waiter at a restaurant, and it's few and far between these days, like the service industry, especially post-COVID, has really struggled. But if you get a great waiter, bartender, whatever, I love over tipping. Cause it's like, oh, you showed up, you did your job right, you were present, you knew the menu, you told me about a cool tequila, whatever it might be. And there's so few of those people. I would say it's way, way, way better in Miami than it was in LA. In LA service, and the funny thing is, in LA service used to be great because LA was the place that all the actors came, right? So all the struggling actors became bartenders and waiters and they would work hard and smile and be entertaining because they would always think, oh, this guy that I'm waiting on might be a talent agent or an executive or something. And then something happened. I mean, COVID ruined everything in LA. These people became utterly miserable. I don't blame a lot of them, by the way, because they had to wear masks while the people eating didn't because that's science and all that stuff. So LA just became absolutely terrible in service and, we, and New York's become terrible in service. Miami's still pretty good. That might also have to do with a bit of our Latin culture here where there's just like more, there's just like more warmth to the people or something. Um, but yes, the thing about tipping just because you just did your job. Like when guy, you know, we just redid the studio and we had people delivering things and I always tried to tip the guys they're lifting all this heavy shit and like all that kind of thing. That's, that's one thing, especially it's hot here in the summer. These guys come in, they're dripping, they don't make a lot of money like that. But like, oh, you, uh, you are the uh, guy, you know, who put the ice cream in the thing that you were supposed to, I have to also, t yeah, I get it, I get it. Uh, that's it for today. I hope if you're the base of the Trump people, you don't hate me. I'm just telling you what I think. And for everybody else, well, I love all of you, truly. I really do. Tomorrow, speaking of people I love, we've got the uh, Friday roundtable extravaganza. Uh, two Floridians, Josh Hammer from Newsweek and Carol Markowitz from the New York Post will be joining me. Uh, we leave you with a cold close. Corinne Jean-Pierre, Hunter Biden, you'll get it in just a moment. And we'll see you on the other side for the postgame show, rubenreport.locals.com. Adios. Why would Republicans do this? Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.